Are you reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a positive narrative for our future. Welcome to another episode of AI for Creatives, where we bring you a collide of art, innovation, and humanity, and how we can learn more about emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and how we can maintain control, aka hold on to the reins as we move forward and fast into a more digital economy. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Camila Sanders. And today we are discussing ChatGPT5 and the future of ChatGPT. And I am really excited about this conversation. And I know, Camille, you and I have been doing deep dives and research and listening to interviews by the founder of OpenAI, which is behind ChatGPT. But before we get into all of that and and some of the use cases that we're seeing um, being used with the, the newest version and then where it's going to take us in the future as it relates to humanity, I would love to hear what you've been up to. The Fashion Futurist podcast has officially launched. <laughs> if you haven't already, head over to your favorite podcast network Woo, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and take a listen. It's been just, um, it's been great to hear all the different feedback after launching it and people saying, wow, this is something that's really needed. And for those of you that don't know, it's really about highlighting innovative things that people are doing in fashion. Um, not just technology, but just people that are on the front lines that we don't usually hear from and what are some of the innovative things that they're doing. And it's it's audio, but it's also on YouTube. It's featuring uh, different brands that are doing interesting things in this sustainable ethical fashion space. So it's it's an exciting time. Amazing. Yeah, I'm and good for you doing it also on YouTube. I'm still a little shy when it comes to the video podcast. So I'm good for now on the audio. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, the reason why I'm kind of forcing myself because, you know, as creators, we are so visual, right? (laughs) And so it's kind of like, you know, this for brands, it is nice to to just listen to the audio. Like I love podcasts. I can multitask. Uh, But sometimes you want to see the visual part. And the cool thing about the visual is that um, people that are on video, like they can actually show you like, this is how this bow tie looks or, you know, things like that. So it's, it just adds a little bit of an element of excitement, which is interesting because we'll, we'll be talking about some visual things when it comes to uh, chat GPT today. 
Um, but first, I would love to know, what have you been up to, Nova? Well, lots of travel lately. Um, yes, I actually saw you in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was like the beginning of the wave. Yeah. So had had a really wonderful time in Nashville. That led into Europe with a trip to Paris for the Paris Blockchain Week, which I was super, super excited to host the Mona Lisa stage on two days. Um, one was for the Web3 XP Summit, and the other one was, was for blockchain, the Blockchain Summit. And the information that came from those panels was really insightful, especially because I had an opportunity to introduce and listen to guest speakers from all over the world and get their perspective of where they see Web3, Metaverse, Blockchain, AI, where they see it all colliding and what does that mean for our industries and specific industries? And then how can we increase voices in this space and how can we create more solutions that are human first solutions and lower friction, increase user experience, increase the user experience. So it was a great, great time. Um, that was followed by a trip to Miami, which was um for the American Metaverse Awards and had the opportunity to judge for the awards, but then also to announce the Fashion Innovation Award in which Mattel won that category. So that was super exciting. And then up to Orlando for an Immerse Global AR, VR and Tech Expo and Summit that was taking place at Full Sail University. So that was great. And then rounded it back, you know, back home. So um, I'm just prepping now for NYC, uh, NFT NYC. So I'll be speaking at that conference and seeing some familiar faces um, flying in from different parts of the world. And that's what I've been up to, just lots of speaking and workshops still. I have a special announcement coming soon, but I'll save that for the next episode. And of course, I'm still plugging away with the House of Nova, um, which is the future of couture, bringing emerging technology together with the art of fashion. Oh my gosh, how did I forget? I don't know. Did I did I share that I won the Lamina One art contest? Did I share that no. the last show? No, I don't think so. No. Think so? Okay, so for those fans of Neil Stevenson, who authored Snow Crash, which created the term metaverse, um, he is a co-founder in a new blockchain called Lamina One, and they were testing the, the chain. They were doing their test net, um, and they had a call for artists. Um, they had over 500 submissions, and they chose the top 10 to mint the very first NFTs on their chain. And I was one of the first to get my NFT or my artwork um, minted on their chain. So there were 10 artists. I was um, one of the 10 selected, and it was an image of a one of the, my fashion designs, actually, for the House of Nova. So super, super, super excited to be a part of history as it relates to the Lamina One blockchain and their testing, their technology, and being one of the first artists on their platform. So yeah, that's big news for me. I'm super excited about that. That is awesome. That's really cool. And, you know, it shows it's so important to kind of be immersed in this this world and constantly talking to other people about new and innovative things. And, and um, I mean, that's why our listeners are listening to the podcast, right? It's because let's create this together. Let's figure out how to, um, let's understand it 
and figure out new ideals so that we can use it to the best of our ability. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about the future of ChatGPT. And I'm sure if you're listening, you have probably seen a gazillion news articles, news feeds, blog posts, social media posts about this new technology and all the buzz that is surrounding it. But we're, what we're going to talk about is where are we going with this? And then we're going to ground it with, well, where are we now? And so for those that aren't so steeped in this space, we're going to share with you some use cases around ChatGPT. What is the value for creators and creatives? Why should we even care? And then we're going to move into, well, where are we going? And what are some of the implications of the future of ChatGPT? So especially the rumors around ChatGPT 5. But let's, 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 let's bring it back, you know, and Let's just set the groundwork and define what ChatGPT four even is. Do you want to take a stab at that? I will let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Pass the buck. Yes, the yes. to me. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, right? For a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Go go ahead, and and I'll definitely give you some of my uh, experience using comparing the two, right? Yeah, yeah, no no worries. So for those of you that had the chance to test ChatGPT 3.5, which was a version that was released late last year, um, um, I started using it, I think like maybe December is when I started using it and was like, what is this? Let me test this out. And I, I just found it extremely useful for information, at least as a starting point as it relates to research, that's that's what I get out of it. But I've seen so many other use cases around this iteration that was released to us. And what it does, it's you can, it's an open AI. Well, it used to be open in the true sense of open. Um, it is an AI platform, a text-to-text AI platform that allows you to put in prompts as words, ask questions, and then it will share information with you. You can ask it to summarize, a document. You can ask it to create a resume for you. You can ask it to edit a paragraph. You can ask it to write a story. And these are the things that it's doing text to text. Well, with ChatGPT4, it now can do not only text to text, but image to text. And well, what does that mean? Well, there are, and again, we're going to dive into this a little further with our use cases, but you can you know, sketch something on a notepad, take a photo of it, upload it and add it into the prompt bar and then ask it a question. And so it can interpret your image. You could also upload a photo. And one of the examples that was given through the live demo was a photo of a of um, an image of an iPhone plugged into the wall with the wrong jack. And it asked the AI to create jokes based on this image. And it actually did that. So that's really fascinating. And then an image being uploaded and it was prompted to create a website, a fully functional website. Now, I don't know about you. I've been creating my own websites for a long time. I've used programmers over the years and um, I've done your traditional HTML, I've done flash sites, and then of course your WordPress, uh, and then you have the no code sites, you know, and 
which allowed as a creator and I have a, a vision, I can more easily have a website developed just by using the no code and dragging and dropping because I'm, I have this very particular vision and I know enough tech to be dangerous so I can create my own website. So it, the technology has advanced to that point. But in, I remember sketching out wireframes on my notepad, sending this image to my web developer and saying, this is what I want the homepage to look like. And this is what I want the next page to look like. And I want it to flow like this because you have to be that specific once upon a time in, when you were designing websites. Now you just pick a template, drop some images in and you're good. But now you can do this on paper and send this to ChatGPT4 and it literally seconds, I mean, not weeks and months, but seconds <laughs> create a website. So these are some of the functionalities that ChatGPT4 is bringing to the world. Yeah. So that's interesting. I'm the same way with uh, websites. I can develop my own. I can, you know, do some HTML. I remember Flash because <laughs> I did Flash back in the day right? too. Remember that? Um, oh, and also I've worked with companies to develop websites. So I think it's really interesting because one, there's a lot of small businesses that need websites, but they don't have it and they consider working with a web developer or someone to be cost prohibitive. So if you can take some things and put it into chat GPT and say, this is kind of what how I want a website to look, and then it spits out something, I think that is really cool. But you know also from creating websites is that it's really about the user experience and you have to think according to this is a particular user, this is my customer, how do they navigate the site? So it's interesting to me that perhaps ChatGPT does put in some of those parameters of what are best practices, but you still kind of need to wireframe that out. So so it's it's kind of like a happy medium. Maybe it's a good quick thing, but maybe it's maybe there are it's not perfect, you know. Yeah, some of the use cases for me between chat GPT 3.5 and 4, I think that it's, it's, I had to work. Like I, I, one of the examples that I gave is like it telling a story, like a bedtime story. And I just kind of put in some prompts, which were probably really good, but I still had to kind of work for it to give like a really interesting story even like asking it a question, you still had to put in multiple prompts for it to kind of understand and get what you wanted out of it. And I think the difference between 3.5 and 4 is that you can put in a prompt and it really understands like how to make it, it's just more creative, right? It, it understands your prompt and what you actually meant by it, you know, the sentiment or the tone. And then it spits out something that is more with what you wanted, more inclined to be closer to what you wanted. So it's just more creative and it really understands your inputs a little bit better. Yeah. And I would say also it's more accurate than the previous version. I mean, we could see, it's still mind blowing to see the adoption rate of this technology where you have a hundred million users in just two months. Uh, and, And when we look at other technologies such as, let's say TikTok, which is a super you know, popular platform. It took nine months to get to that level. Um, Instagram took 30 months to get to that level in terms of a user base. 
And, and due to this, you know, due to the popularity of the tool, there is now a paid option. So you, you can upgrade and pay $20 a month. And then the question is, is it worth it? Right. And so you would have to play with that based on what you're using it for as a creative to see if it's going to increase, you know, your workflow. Is it going to help you automate some things? You know, do you blog? Is it, it are you going to incorporate it into your blogs and use it as an idea generator? Um, how are you going to use the tool for it to be worth that $20, you know, in terms of the return on investment? And it's always fascinating also to see that wait a minute, this was around before the public even know, knew about it. Yes, ChatGPT was around version one, two, and three, and even four. I mean, Bing has been using ChatGPT4 behind the scenes to power its search engine, but no one knew that. And then now, of course, the public has access to the platform. So that's just something to keep in mind that AI isn't brand new. It's been, as we mentioned in some of our earlier shows, it's been around for a long time, but typically it has been a part of the the infrastructure of the software, allowing it to do the magic that we see on the front end, but not necessarily accessible to the everyday user where we can manipulate the tool and we can generate content with the tool or we can facilitate our work or research with the tool directly. So typically it had been through a user interface behind a platform like Adobe, like Canva, like Google. Um, but now it's just on steroids. If you look at Canva or even Adobe, Adobe Firefly, for example, it's it's <laughs> it's at a whole nother level in terms of what you can create with imagery in Adobe just with the, the addition of this new feature of AI. So yeah, let's dive into some of the use cases specifically. And I could start. I was, as I mentioned, I was just in Paris and, and I love when I'm in another place I uh, or country, I love diving into the culture. I love eating the local foods, talking to the local people and really just feeling like I'm a part of a part of the culture. And uh, so I, as I would go around with my, I know how to speak Spanish. So that would, that helped me get around. And I would ask, well, how do I say this? How do I say tea? How do I say hot water? How do I say I want to go outside or good afternoon. And then they would tell me and I would try to memorize it. And and by the time I left, I had a good 12 words, you know, maybe four or five sentences that I memorized. But if I knew that Duolingo, okay, <laughs> I was, had already incorporated ChatGPT4, it probably would have been a better use experience in terms of how I was learning language and sharing the language. And what I also think is really interesting, speaking of language, that ChatGPT4, I believe, is trained on 26 different languages. That's just mind-blowing to me. Um, and if you're a lover of language, you'd appreciate that. So some of the things that Duolingo does as a use case, as it, as it relates to using ChatGPT, is that it will act as a teacher and it will give you a simple explanation and why an answer is right or wrong. And for those of you that have never used Duol Duolingo, it is a language learning app. So just to set that um, foundation. And then it will also allow the student to chat with the app and ask for more relevant examples for further, further clarification. So just imagine that. Like, 
I've used Duolingo in the past, I don't know, maybe whenever it came out a couple years ago. And, you know, now thinking that I can have this conversation back and forth is intriguing for me to, you know, reactivate the app. Um, It also allows for role play. And so if you are, you know, you can discuss vacation plans and order coffee at a Parisian cafe. Sounds familiar? Um, (laughs) Or, you know, have this conversation around furniture shopping and then really bring in these realistic life scenarios to more quickly learn the language. So that's Duolingo and how a chat GPT four is being incorporated into that. Another really interesting use case for me is Be My Eyes. And so Be My Eyes is an app that was developed to help visually impaired people um, and make the world more accessible to, to them. And now with ChatGPT4, it uses that image to text, as I was sharing before, feature, and it will allow things such as you know, um, scanning a an image of a shirt and describing the color of the shirt or the pattern of the shirt, or scanning the image of the food in your fridge and describing what's in the fridge. Or if you want to create recipes, you can do that as well. And so I just, you know, I have a really good friend who is blind, like completely blind, and he's really into fashion and color and, you know, he watches movies and he's a really big reader and an avid learner. And when I was reading this, I was like, ah, I can't wait to tell him about this app and just get his feedback from his perspective, how valuable it it is to him. Um, those Those are two use cases that jump out at me. How about you, Camilla? Yeah, I'm glad you shared those use cases because when you were talking about um, Duolingo, you know, it makes me think of the fashion industry and how it's very global, right? And mm-hmm. so if we're able to connect with different cultures and and understand different dialects and I mean, language is, <laughs> it's so, I mean, this has always been a problem as far as language because it's never a direct um, translation. If you're using like Google translate or something like that, like they're getting better, but they don't understand like the dialects and the nuances of language, especially the English language, where we say the word that we say could be three different meanings. Um, so for chat GPT to help with that, especially for, with the advance, I think it's really, really important. It's helping to connect people globally. Um, but then also speaking of teaching. So One of the, if anyone's familiar with Khan Academy, so Khan Academy, basically you can learn different things, math, science, you can even learn coding on there, but Khan Academy is basically you go on, it's very comprehensive. You can watch videos of people teaching lessons. You can take quizzes and things like that. Now, the interesting thing for me and why this stood out for me is because during the pandemic, when we were all at home, I had my son use Khan Academy. He's like, I hate Khan Academy, of course, because he's still like watching a teacher. It's not that interactive and he has to take these quizzes and he hates getting things wrong. But he's in tutoring now and in tutoring, the tutor has him watch some Khan Academy things and then explains it. And so Khan Academy with ChatGPT is kind of having that same experience because they have a teacher it's called Conmigo, and they're using ChatGPT to power this virtual teacher to help with like studying, 
um, and teaching different things. So if a, if a student has a question or they want more insight into anything, it's like immediate interaction. And to me, like we're talking about teaching, so this basically means, you know, ChatGPT or a lot of companies are using it for a more human-like chatbot experience. So now we have YouTube University, we have all of these things online. What if we actually had an interactive teacher that can, uh, specific to me, specific to my business, I can ask it questions and it can give me these answers to help me to better understand it. And that brings me to Stripe, which if you don't know what Stripe is, it's the online payment processor. A lot of people use it. I personally do use it a lot. <laughs> so at Stripe, if you're listening and you want to sponsor, just talk to me. But so Stripe used ChatGPT3 before, and now it's it's looking into or it's using ChatGPT4. And one, it's to get a better user experience, one, to understand your business better, because no business is alike. You know, if you think an events business versus, you know, a fashion business versus, you know, any kind of a business like they're you're just putting data in there. But do they really understand your business so they can use ChatGPT4 to better understand your business? That gives a better user experience, because if I'm reaching out to their chat bot to get an answer to a question specific to my business on how do I do this particular thing, it's actually going to give me an answer that I can use because my experience using all these different chat bots, it never gives you the right answer. I always end up having to go to talk to a live agent, but I'm perfectly fine with using their chat bot. So um, if it would give me good answers and very specific answers. So it's really just kind of allowing these uh, digital things to be more human-like. Yeah. I, you know, as you were sharing those examples, I was just thinking about <laughs> where was Khan Academy when I was taking the SAT? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Especially now. With right. Before. Um <laughs> I, I would love to dive into, we've, we shared some use cases and we touched a little bit on um, how some how it can apply to creators, but let's go into some more specifics on how can ChatGPT4, this new iteration, help creators and the creative community. So I want to dive into that a little bit. And the first thing I think of is idea generation. And I use the... I haven't played a lot with the four, the version four yet. Um, it just started tooling around with it. It's only been out for three weeks, but I've used the 3.5 version for the last four months and I do use it to get ideas for topics to talk about. So if I do, for example, I'll just do a prompt around a, a research question and it would give me, let's say 10 examples. And then one of those examples will inspire me to create a post around that example because I thought, oh, I didn't know that. Let me dive into that. And then I do more research and dive deeper on that one specific example. And that just continues and continues. So I think from an idea generation standpoint, asking basic research questions, it can really, you know, inspire thoughts and topics of research or blog articles that you may not have even thought about yet. So I really like that component. And the fact that you can use images now, 
to generate even more content, like creating jokes or what have you. I just find that mind blowing. Yeah. And if you think about the creative process, like I do a lot of brainstorming sessions and my background is in marketing. So when you're brainstorming, like you don't brainstorm by yourself. I mean, you could, but that's not how you get the best ideals. You get the best ideals from saying one thing and then someone else, typically a human will respond back with more ideals. And that helps you to generate other ideals. And even when you're um, as an artist or creative, you're looking at other things sometimes to spark that new idea with you. So I think, you know, similar to what you said, chat GPT-4, you can kind of put in some inputs and then it will inspire you for that next idea, right? Versus being at home alone by yourself, trying to think of something. And we all know about that creative block. Well, it can help you to, you know, help to inspire those different ideas. Right. And, you know, one of those things is also content creation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I, I talk about that a lot and, I think you always, like you're very knowledgeable about a subject, especially if you work in that subject, but to be able to put it into a program like ChatGPT and it kind of spits out in a concise way all of these different things and can give you like deeper knowledge into that. So like say I have, or actually, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention in ChatGPT before it can handle a lot more information. It can start to relate uh, one thing to another thing and start to compare things. It can also handle more input. So one of the one of the um, drawbacks I think of ChatGPT three is you know I was wanting to take this transcript and put it into a blog post and it couldn't handle it because it was just too many characters, right? Mm -hmm. Versus ChatGPT4, I can take longer form content and it could either summarize it or it can put it into a more structured content. It's just more powerful and can actually do it in a way where it's giving me bullet points, where it's making it more interesting. So for content creation, I think the quality of content is a lot better with GPT-4. And that's one of the huge things that for creatives is, you know, we need content and we need it in different forms. So that's one of the things that it allows us to do. Yeah, that's a great point that you mentioned regarding the amount of content or characters that it can take in to summarize and or edit, for example, you know, I write, so I'm curious to see what it's going to do to the publishing industry. I love creative writing, especially. And my hope is that, you know, as writers, our ideas are still far greater than any AI, AI story that gets put out there. And I, I think what we're going to see, but I'll be curious to see if the content that's being generated, how similar it feels in terms of tone or the format and the setup. And I know the version four can create more complex sentences and ideas than 3.5. So for example, if you say, write a summary of, I don't know, a fairy tale and each beginning letter of each sentence is a different letter of the alphabet. So it can, but you, again, as the creator have to know, how do you make this more complex? Because I feel that if 
everyone's using it in the most basic form, you're going to get the same type of images. You're going to get the same type of stories or the same type of, you know, sounding blog posts. And it's going to fall back on that creative individual. It's going to fall back on the imagination of that individual, the engineering of the prompting and shaping of the tool that's going to give the output that's going to be distinct from everyone else. So I also think that with these tools, there's going to be a rise of new creators or imagineers that can that can harness the tool and develop outputs, products, images, text, you know, stories that are far superior than just the average input that's going into the tool. And we're going to see companies looking for these more creative individuals. So they may not be the one sketching it out anymore, but it's that same artist that's using the tool to create that image that looks like a penciled sketch, you know, and because they can see it in their heads and they're more imaginative, it's going to give a better product and end result. So I think that's something that we should keep in mind as creatives, where if we understand the tools and understand the deficiencies and and you know where it's going, then we can better position ourselves so we maintain our livelihood in this world of creativity, which is an extremely valuable trait for humans, right? And so I, I think as we get a little further into the conversation, we're going to be talking about ethics and what's coming for the future of ChatGPT. But I want to just share now that there is an opportunity here for us to realize that at the end of the day, our imagination is the future. And what the platform is pulling from is data that already exists. And we know that even the version four is pulling from data up to 2021. So that's still an advantage point that we have, a vantage point that we have as humans and as creatives, where we can create the future from something that has never been done before, but there is still this gap of information that the computer system is not pulling from. Yeah, it's it's we have to remember that these are just tools <laughs> to help us with our creativity and whatever we are creating for sure. So we talked about research, we talked about content, idea generation, Feedback was something else that I thought was really interesting and a value that ChatGPT4 can give. And it's something that I don't intuitively think about, like, oh, I'm going to go to, you know, the AI to give me feedback on my project. I would go to my friend or or an expert or what have you, or do some research to try to tweak it. But I think that's going to open up a whole new can of worms, don't you think, Camilla, on the on the feedback side of things? Yeah, I think that's interesting because I know as if you're a developing artist and you're new or you're just kind of exploring some type of new concept, it is always valuable to get feedback, especially from people that have or fellow artists that are doing the same thing or have more experience. Um, So that's definitely valuable. And I'm sure that chat GPT just kind of takes best practices or, you know, what, what, um, what is, you know, acceptable based on the data that they have. And so it's really interesting that, you know, maybe it can be, be, give you feedback. I don't know that it will do it in a way that is as creative as a human being would give you feedback. Mm. 
Yeah. And there's just certain things that we're pulling from within a conversation, even where we can, you know, better interpret what you're saying or what you're showing to give you feedback on that. And then our own backgrounds and experiences. And then we know you're, you know, sometimes we may know the person that's asking for the feedback, their background and their experiences and bringing that all together, you know, in terms of the feedback that we're giving them and, or even sharing with them in a way that's more receptive. You know, one of the things we're not thinking about is the psychology component to all of this. You know, as humans, we have emotions and we are intuitive and these are things that AI does not have. And so again, like where is the divide? We have to remember what can't be duplicated or replicated, even if the you know version five, six, seven becomes a, a better reasoning tool, you know, still doesn't have emotion, still doesn't have intuition, and it can't know everything about that person and their experiences that it, that in person real life relationships bring to the conversation. So that's something. I think this is a great segue into the future of ChatGPT. And I want to just touch on just a a few facts because I don't think we hear about the tool, everyone's jumping on the tool, but, you know, ChatGPT was, when it was founded, a nonprofit. And it was created to make this powerful tool accessible to everyone. Currently, as it stands today, um, OpenAI, which was once upon a time, the company OpenAI, um, it was an open source nonprofit organization. It is now closed source for profit. And uh, Microsoft is its biggest investor um, at the moment. So Microsoft also power or is also owns Bing, the search engine. So that's something to keep in mind. There are other Similar tools to ChatGPT, such as Bloom, for example, um, which is open source at the moment. So again, as a user and as more more variety of these tools come out, that's something to think about. And where do you want to share your data? Which of these platforms do you want to engage with as they become more powerful? Um, ChatGPT alone has 25 million daily visitors. And again, it's Every visitor, every input is feeding the machine, right? Creating the cookie monster. So something to keep in mind, it gets about 10 million queries a day and it costs about $3 million a month to run. So there's not a lot of companies that can keep up with that cost as well. So I'm I'm really interested to see what continues to be released in the future. Um, I mentioned Bloom. I know that there's a couple of others out there that's going to compete with ChatGPT. So I just wanted to throw some fun facts out there and yeah, let's, let's talk about the future and, and where it's going. What are some things that we think will be included in chat GPT-5? What are you, what are your thoughts, Camilla? Yeah. When you were talking about that, I think it's uh BART that, that Google has uh, come out with. Is it BART? Is it yeah. BART? BART with a D. So Not weird. Much, yeah. BART. <laughs> I is. can't, like that name, the first thought was, <laughs> well, how did they come up with this? name bard but um it's not the same right maybe i'll research that so that it'll be interesting to kind of see how the two compare right um and what differences they do and chat gpt so the next iteration is coming out when so rumor has it that version 5 should be released if everything stays on track and we we know that there's been individuals that are calling for 
the speed of the uh, the development of AI to slow down. So we're looking at December of this year as a potential release date of version five. And just to answer your question about bard, it actually means poet. Because I looked at the same thing okay. and I was like, what in the world? But um, it's a professional storyteller and poet. Maybe that's why music composer, oral historian, genealogist. So the definition sounds good, but the sound phonetically is like, mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's expected to come out in December. And what I think is interesting is that it's also going to include video. So we have text to text 3.5, which most people um, were onboarded on 3.5, the version 3.5. And then now image to text, adding another modality to its features. So it's now multi-modal. And then now we're going to look at video to text and then back and forth. So video to text, text to video, video to image, image to text, (laughs) image to text, text to image, and then text to text. So you're going to have all of those. And another element, which we're again, raising the bar on this is touch. So people are asking, well, touch, well, how, how is that going to be incorporated? Well, let's think of Alexa. And today you can integrate ChatGPT with a few, you know, uh, steps into Alexa. And what if Alexa was a robot and not just this cylindrical device that you have on your counter or your table, but it was actually a moving robot. And so this is where we're going to see the touch component integrated with the AI. And of course, all of that may not be released by by the anticipated date, if things still move in the trajectory that it's that it's moving now around the end of the year. But shortly thereafter, we're going to see robots communicating with us or, you know, individuals communicating with robots, just like they were doing right now through their phone or their laptop or their tablet, as they're using this more human-like AI software. Yeah, I mean, so it's basically being it's a, basically able to handle more complex things. You mentioned video and like touch, translating touch. And another thing is AGI. And if you don't know what that is, that's artificial general intelligence. And what that means is that this uh, ChatGPT five will be able to understand and learn any task or ideal that a typical human can and do it in a way that is indistinguishable from humans. So um, one of the examples that I saw was understanding how to cook from a recipe, right? (laughs) So you you put in a recipe and it can actually make the food, Right. And do it in a way that do it this task in a way that a human would be able to do do it. So you wouldn't be able to distinguish a, you know, human made or the task of the human made, you know, bread versus if you made the bread. And so, you know, what does that mean? Well, it's going to, of course, eliminate us having to do this. You mentioned robots with Alexa. We talk to Alexa or, you know, whatever you have in your home all the time. What if you could give it a task to do and it could do it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind saying Alexa, go fix some dinner or fix this, right? But now we're talking about the images that we've seen of 
robots in the home doing certain things, you know? So you're talking about touch. Well, you know, the robot can then know how to crack an egg or, you know, whatever that is, right? So we're, we are moving fast, right? We are <laughs> into moving this, very fast. Into this new world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I believe it is, was it OpenAI? They invested $23.5 million in a company called 1X, um, which will be this the example of ChatGPT being integrated into a robot. And then you have robots in hospitals now. I mean, Texas is using uh, robots. I think the name of their robot is Moxie to perform repetitive chores in the hospital. I'm sure I've seen these really ridiculous looking robots roaming around the supermarkets. Um, and I'm sure they're doing like inventory counts. And I know some of these robots can actually clean the floors as they're scanning shelves as it relates to inventory, monitoring inventory. And it's going to continue to advance. And so I think this is where the important question lies, where how do we as humans not be outpaced or how do we use these tools as a way to amplify but not replace ourselves? And artists, I think especially creatives, need to be a part of this conversation around how do we put the rails or, 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 or continue to guide the tools where they help us. <laughs> um, there's something called, I think it's strong AI, if I'm not mistaken, but there are more powerful AI where it doesn't have the desire to, what they call be in alignment with human goals, where it's like protect the human um, heal the human, save the human. It's like, nope, I want to <laughs> learn and I, at whatever means necessary. And it's just doing its own thing and it's, it's learning on its own and it's creating its own resources. And so that's a potential offshoot where this can go wrong real fast if we don't jump in and not just get so caught up in the play side of things and really have serious conversations around the risks to, towards humanity and the implications as it relates to artists and creatives. What are the psychological implications? You know, um, if you have a child in a headset for six or eight hours a day being tutored by AI, what is, what, what is that effect on the child? You know, are we only focused on, oh, they need to learn and here's a more fun way to learn? But what is the impact on the other end? You know, what are we losing on the other end? So these are points that we should be discussing, uh, that we should create groups and communities around so we can have impact. And even Sam Altman, you know, the one leading the ship for OpenAI is calling out for that. Yeah. And um, just one note on what you said, I know a lot of people probably think, oh, this is all of a sudden, like it's, you know, what is happening? But industry has used robots for a while and they're always making these advance in artificial intelligence and robots, but they just do it in an industrial way. And so what's happening now is that this is coming to everyday people. Right. And so and so it's just the technology is advancing. 
perhaps it's getting a little bit cheaper. And now it's just to the point where everyday people can use that technology in a way that industry has probably been using it for years and years and years. And I, you know, I do agree. I am, I know you're like, people are saying, hold back, hold back. And I'm saying move forward, right? Like I want to see what's next. But I think as a creative, you really need to think, how do I want to use these tools in my creative process? And what can this AI do that I maybe it's tedious for me and I don't want to do? What is that going to free me up to do? How is that going to free my mind to be able to maybe even just sit and be out in nature and meditate and come up with those other um, amazing creative ideals that kind of take time and space to come up with versus you doing all of these things that, you know, or these tasks that could be done with something else. So what is that balance? Like I would challenge people to think of what is that balance between using this technology and being my full creative self. Yeah, I love that. I, and I think if we look at these as hammers and screwdrivers and there's a problem that we want solved, I want to build a house or I want to connect these two pieces of wood. And, you know, as the creative, what is that problem? Where are you being held back? How can you be more productive? I love how you mentioned, how can you spend more time out in nature to be inspired? And, you know, what can these tools do to help you do what you love more and do it more often with the people that you really want to be around? And so if we think about it from that perspective, and it's not just, oh, this is a race to the top, and if I don't use it, then I'm going to be replaced and da-da-da-da-da, you know, computers came and yes, many jobs are replaced, but the many jobs were created. AI is here and it's going to do the same thing. But what's interesting about AI is that in these particular language models, that it can learn at such a rapid rate. And that's where as humans, we can say, well, wait a minute. Well, we may not want to use the hammer in this way. Let's use it in in this way because this is how it's going to benefit us. And this is how it's going to you know, cure diseases. And this is how it's going to create more safe environments for us and not at anyone's detriment. And so we shouldn't be using the tools to replace us, but to amplify our voices, amplify our perspectives. That's what we should do. And and I, I get annoyed when I hear conversations around, oh, well, we could just replace, Camilla and I were talking about this, we could replace jurors with, you know, AI and we don't need, you know, humans making decisions on someone's, you know, fate as it relates to being in or out of prison. And and I think we cannot just think in that one-minded way. You know, this is a more complex conversation. And as a creative and artist, I do want more time to create. Like I do, you know? So how do I do that? But if the AI is replacing me, then there's nothing to create, right? So and not that it's going to happen. I do feel that as humans, there are things that you just can't replicate and duplicate with a machine. And that's what's going to continue to lead us forward. And we have to focus on that. So, but yeah, this was a great conversation. There's so many, so many other things that we could talk about. We are going to discuss more tools in the future, but this was something we couldn't ignore as it relates to ChatGPT and how quickly it's it's sort of penetrating our culture 
and changing um, things around us? And then how can you use it to benefit you? What problems can you use the, these tools for in your life? And then what ideas do you have and how do we keep these tools safe and secure and where it's, again, geared towards humans first? <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I could, we could, we could talk about this so much deeper and we should definitely have, you know, some just conversations around kind of that call to, you know, come together and, and decide like, what, what is this going to look like and where are we going to use this? What are the different applications? Um, because, I mean, you mentioned the, the justice system and it's like, there's not enough humanity in the justice system now. <laughs> So, so it's like, how are you going to replace right. that? So exactly. like, what? I, I would love to, <laughs> right. Like, you know, you're going backwards, <laughs> but, um, but I, I would love to kind of right. have a conversation about what I mentioned about how these tools can kind of free you to be more creative. Like what? What is uh, we hear so much of the negative? What are what are some of the positive ways that we can really use these tools? Yeah, yeah. Let's definitely do a deep dive on that. And of course, we have to do another episode that focuses on fashion. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. yes. a topic. Yes, I mean, there's so to. many. <laughs> we were talking about there's so many yep. applications for. Um, artificial intelligence and fashion. Yeah. So I'm excited about that one. Right. Yeah, me too. So, but yeah, I think with creatives, a big part of our productivity comes from being able to create from this clear space, you know, like a mindset and, and tapping into, you know, like those, the deeper wells of creativity where we have to be in a safe environment, hopefully to do that and, and be, you know, free from stress and anxiety and worry. And so how do we use AI to in increase mindfulness, to increase our mental well-being, to increase our physical health, where we can optimize our creativity and our imagination? And maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, that's what keeps us ahead because we're optimized and not dragged down by these other negative factors. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see where this all goes. I'm looking forward to doing deep dives around those topics as well. And it was really fun just discussing where we are now and where we're going with this one very, very popular tool called ChatGPT. And it's always fun doing it with you, Camilla. So thanks again. Yeah, I would love to know how I can be more productive and more sane at the same time. And I'm sure you would too, with all the travel and all the different uh, things that you do. So yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. And until next time, I want to thank our listeners for always coming back and spending this time with us. It was a little longer of an episode, but I hope it was worth it. And we look forward to you joining our next episode and also check out Crypto for Creatives. That's another show that Camilla and I do. And it's about all things Web3, blockchain, crypto and the metaverse. Some really great interviews of founders and innovators on that podcast. So that's Crypto for Creatives. And if you have any ideas that you would like us to talk about, um, shoot us a message. We're both on LinkedIn. You can find me, Nova Lorraine. You can find Camilla at Camilla Sanders and say, hey, we'd love to hear about this. So always open to input. 
from our listeners. So we're covering what you want to hear as well. This is exclusively brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. And that's Kangaroo with the U. And if you want to find other transformational shows for business and life, definitely check out Pink Kangaroo. And there's some other really exceptional emerging technology shows on the network as well. I am your host, Nova Lorraine. This is Camila. And until next time, ciao. Yeah.